Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash spookshow. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. It's time for our latest spoiler-filled movie review here on the All-American Spook Show Podcast. We take a deep dive into what makes each movie good or bad. Stick around at the end. Donnie has connections linking each movie to past episodes. Will gives the official kill. Professor Smoke gives his gore score. And of course, we all give our star ratings. As they say, on with the show. Hello and welcome to yet another edition of the All-American Spook Show Horror Podcast. I'm Josh. I'm joined here with Donnie. Hey. Will. Hey. And the Professor Smoke. Up. We are here to finally watch what's got to be one of, if not the most batshit crazy movie of 2021. And that is James Wan's... And my... <laughs> well, look, we'll get into what our thoughts are, you know, toward the end. But in my mind, somewhat of an instant cult classic, I think. That's just my opinion. I think this is going to be one of those ones, 5, 10, 15, 20 years from now, that people are going to look back on probably more fondly than they do right now. But we'll get into that. This is also kind of, uh, by the way, I, 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 I think I said malignant, but <laughs> I remember saying James Wan, but uh, I can't remember. But <laughs> regardless, it's malignant. That's what we're going to be watching from 2021. I mean, um, we knew that, but they didn't. Yeah, so uh, true, like, uh, true. I don't remember you saying it. Well, you know what happens when you assume. Make an ass out of you and me. And I'm used to doing that to myself. This is the first uh, new uh, uh, movie review that we're going to be doing here in 2022. So, uh, you know, since our, our first movie review was um, New Year's Evil two weeks ago, back on January 3rd. It's also kind of unofficially Canon Films Month. And I say that because it's kind of like we're dipping in and out of the Canon film stuff. But this is not a Canon film. Like I said, you know, uh, this is a James Wan, Warner Brothers uh, flick, but it's very canon-esque in a lot of ways, at least on the batshit crazy side of things, right? Yeah, if they were, if canon was still a, a company today putting out movies, this could definitely be one of their films. Oh, yeah, yeah. This this would definitely be a, a, a Golden Globus production, and <laughs> all, all you need to do is just tighten this up to about an hour and a half and then put like a little glow on it, because like every canon film had that weird glow about it. And then, bam, it's a fucking canon movie. But anyways, uh, so we're going to take a deep dive into, into Malignant here in just a minute. But I guess before we do all that, I'll throw out the usual information, you know, where you can find us and contact us. Email allamericanspookshow at gmail.com, uh, at AA Spook Show over on Twitter. Uh, search for All American Spook Show on Instagram, the Slasher app, Facebook, of course, TikTok. Yep. Uh, um, YouTube, we have our YouTube channel where every Wednesday night we do Deadline Horror News Live where we talk about the latest headlines and horror news. Usually uh, around 9 p.m. East-ish over on our YouTube channel. We have our T Public page where you can find logoed merchandise and all that other cool stuff that we have uh, for sale there so you can help out the podcast. All these things that I just mentioned are down in the link tree, down in the notes of this episode. Click on the link tree. You'll see, you should see everything lined up very, all, all organized and pretty-like for you. So you click on any of those, takes you straight to what you want. So we encourage you to do that. And, of course, patreon.com slash a spook show that's that's the main event you know other than the podcast um we, we got some new stuff cooking over there too like um we just did last week we did the uh first episode here on the podcast of spook show rewind where we go back to episode one you know episode two so on and it gives donnie a chance to give his ratings and, and we talk about the movie again kind of update some information and you know just have a good time reminiscing and all that uh, we just had the the first one, which was Reanimator, last week. But since then, we have decided to move that over to Patreon. So if you listened to that last week, or if you haven't yet, go check out episode 90 in the archives just last week from January 10th. Go listen to that, and you'll get a taste for uh, what's going to be coming out um, over on Patreon. So we're going to kind of keep that Spook Show Rewind thing going over there. And who knows, we might occasionally put it back out on the podcast feed, you know, uh, in the months and weeks ahead. But for now, yeah, that's a lot of fun, man. Yeah, that, that's going to that's going to move over there. So that that's just another exclusive thing if you're over on our Patreon. On top of our 
every Tuesday we have a video mini so where you know the main event there is the library, the professor, all kinds of cool stuff coming. Trust me, we got we got we got a few things cooking in the kitchen. So uh, you want to you want to join us over there on the ground level right now? Be a, you know become a patron of the Spook Show over Patreon.com/slash AA Spook Show and uh, help us out. So um, I guess without further ado, I'll go ahead and toss to the trailer for 2021's Malignant. The body of Dr. Florence Weaver was found brutally murdered in her home this morning. Did you know her? No, but I saw her die. I'm seeing things. I'm seeing murders. As they're happening. Hello? He says his name is Gabriel. I think he's someone from my past. Whatever happened to you before you joined our family hurt you in a way that I can't even imagine. Stop saying that. Maddie, who are you talking to? Gabriel. Is he your getting closer. He wants to talk to you. Mom, what do you know? He's coming for me. All right, so there you have it. So uh, I guess, Donnie, I'll toss to you first. So, like, uh, uh, is this the first time you watched it? And if so, what, what are your initial reactions without giving your rating out just yet? Yeah, um, this is actually my second time watching it. Uh, I watched it when it first came out, and I kind of feel like I needed a second look. Uh, I did not like it the first time I saw it. Uh, I guess without getting too much into it, uh, without giving my star rating, I probably got to say that the second viewing changed my outlook on it uh even if you know just by a little bit i right, will same same uh question to you what do you think overall thoughts pretty pretty good movie um the back half of the movie actually absolutely goes off the wall the only the, the one thing that i would say like really kind of bothered me for definitely the first half of the movie is it felt like uh the music in this movie did not the movie for at least like the first half and then after you get halfway through the movie everything kind of fits into what it needs to be but i don't know like like it almost felt like uh like halfway through the movie it was like hey do you remember uh kind of techno emo yeah yeah this is us it doesn't fit the movie but this is us <laughs> all right now we're going back to what it should be but uh yeah past that overall i, I love the movie now this was the first time for the for this. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Smoke, same for you, Woody. This was well. This was the first time I watched it all the way through. Uh, <laughs> the first time I attempted to watch it, me and my wife sat down to watch it. I was I got off work. It was kind of late at night. I fell asleep about twenty minutes in, give or take. Although watching it this time around, I must have been like dozing in and out because there was some stuff I remember that I, I you know I I guess I'd woke up for a second and saw it, and I don't know if it's part of a dream or what. <laughs> But then when I watched it this time, I was like, oh, yeah, I do remember this part. And that was, you know, we'll get into it. it was some parts near the end when the, well, we'll just call it creature for now, is doing some odd movements or whatever, you know. 
So I, I, for whatever, I must have woke up and saw that part and like, oh, what the fuck did you think? Man, I saw the dream or something. I don't know. Because I only remembered the first 20 minutes until watching it, you know, like I said, seeing some other bits and pieces of it. So, yeah, it, it, I think it's a fun movie. It's one that's going to be, I know it's been, I guess, divisive for fans. I don't know if it's just because it's James Wan that's directing it and people expect something like Saul and Conjuring or whatever and they get this. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know if that's what the backlash is, but I enjoyed it for what it was. Uh, I knew knew kind of what it was going into it anyway, so it wasn't really anything for me to be disappointed about. I didn't expect it to be like the Conjuring films or anything, so I went into it expecting kind of you know some sort of cult type fun movie, and that's what it was delivered. And uh, there are certain bits that, like you said, it kind of reminds you like you're watching a canon you know a canon film in. 2022 yeah. or 2021. Yeah. <laughs> All it needed was to have the song, you know, living in a cardboard box come in at some point. <laughs> <laughs> I've been living in a cardboard box. Living in a box. Fucking hell. <laughs> They'd have that here. It'd be a perfect canon. Yeah. Canon F. Or but that, no, it was, uh, it was or, or the New Year's Evil song. <laughs> 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 they could have had that in the end credits. There. One of those two songs at some point in the movie and the other one in the end credits would have been fine, yeah. Oh, shit. I don't want us to skip over probably the most important thing that, that Smoke just said. He thought this was part of a dream. Yeah. What kind okay. of fucking yeah, yeah. dreams do you have, what man? Kind of, what kind of James Wan <laughs> fever-fueled dreams are you having? When you wake up and... I don't like, remember. Now, wait, 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 before we continue, hold on. We are a spoiler-filled podcast. I, I just wanted to throw that out there. Like, we're pretty bad about not reminding people sometimes. So, everything we say from this point forward, if you have not watched Malignant, Go watch this fucking movie. You know, pause this, go watch it, and then come back and listen to us talk about it. If you wake up and you see that shit at the end, <laughs> and you're just like, and you just rolled over and went back to sleep, what the hell are you watching every day? <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't remember. Like I said, when I was when I had fallen asleep, I don't remember remembering any of the movie beyond that. But then when I saw that scene of, I think it was running through the alleyway mm-hmm. and kind of going up, and ending up going up through the roof and the the hole in the roof or whatever. Some of that I remember somewhat. <laughs> but I didn't, I didn't know that I remembered it until I watched it this time around. So I don't know. I, so I must have thought it was a dream. I don't know. Or it just was sitting in the, you know, just in that half wakeful part of the mind and I just needed to see it again for it to trigger it. I don't know. <laughs> but I do remember it now that like seeing the definite, like I say, we'll get to it when we get there, but the definite movements of the creature and the reason why it moves that way. I didn't know that until I, you know, again watched it this time around and got to the end of it and like, oh, okay. but yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't remember that. And it was it triggered something. I must have been half awake during some of those scenes. You've been uh, drinking a little it, t- too much of that old Odin's beard mead there. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Could, could be. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit, of, you know, half asleep or half passed out or you know. Yeah. So I'm gonna go ahead and dive a little bit into the background information. This, of course, is rated R. Um, it released. Uh, Pretty much uh, wide in uh, September of 2021. I'm trying to find the specific date of uh, when it came out here in the U.S. Okay, September 10th, 2021 here in the U.S. It has a total runtime of one hour and 51 minutes. So I would definitely say this is a little bit on the long side, right? Uh, I, I don't think I'm reaching too far there to say that. You, you easily could have chopped 20 or 30 minutes out of this movie, in my opinion, and it would have been fucking perfect. On, over on IMDb, it's rated 6.3 out of 10 stars, and that's out of over 69,000 ratings. Metascore, over on Metacritic, of 51. Now, their scale is like basically 0 to 100, so 51 is pretty much dead center. Over on Rotten Tomatoes, it has a 76% on the tomato meter, and that's out of 162 reviews. It is certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, I, I haven't looked at the Rotten Tomatoes rating, but I almost would have thought it wouldn't have been just, you know, some of the, the talk about it beforehand, I guess, of people talking yeah. about how much they didn't like it. Well, uh, with that, you know, almost exactly dead, even with that Metacritic, you know, Metascore, the audience score on Rotten Tomatoes is only 52%. So this is, this is the rare occasion where a movie like this actually got more praise from the critics than it did the audience. So it was directed by James Wan. So, you know, so obviously, you, you, you know, we've talked a bunch about James Wan since we literally talked about every Conjuring movie that has come out so far, all eight or nine of them, whatever it was. Um, but he's, he's known mostly for the Conjuring universe stuff, the Saw movies, 
um, Aquaman, Furious 7. I mean, like, you know, uh, pretty much all the Conjuring stuff is all him. He's only directed, he has 15 directing credits over on IMDb. So I think they, like, technically, like, if you if you take out, like, the the shorts and stuff like that, I think they, I think I saw where this is, like, the 10th movie that he's directed. So, the you know, basically the Conjuring stuff, the Saw stuff, or the Insidious stuff, that's all him. And now I have a feeling this might become its own little universe, too. Wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me if, <laughs> if there's a malignant verse um, after, <laughs> after this. It really wouldn't. Um, but this is written by James Wan, or, you know, story by James Wan, Ingrid Basu, and Akella Cooper, and, that, and that's who wrote the screenplay. She is known for Luke Cage. Well, she was a producer on Luke Cage, Witches of East End, uh, The 100. That's one of the shows over on uh, the CW. Uh, she's got 13 writing, writing credits, and uh, uh, she's actually been announced as the sc- writing the screenplay for The Nun 2. Um, so I guess whenever that actually becomes a thing, it'll be her. Um, it stars Annabelle Wallace as Madison Mitchell. This is the main, you know, uh, character in the picture. She is best known for The Mummy. Now, this is the uh, the one with uh, uh, Tom Cruise from 2017. She was in. She played Mia in the first Annabelle. You know, I, I didn't connect that when I was sitting there watching it. But damn if I, that's not... You know, now mm-hmm. I n- remember where I recognized her from, uh, yep. from the first Annabelle film. And she was also uh, in X-Men First Class, uh, 37 acting credits over on IMDb. Uh, Maddie, Hassan, Maddie Hassan, I guess that's how you say her last name, is Sydney Lake. Sure. <laughs> we'll go with it. Um, <laughs> she is known for God Bless America, Twisted, and Impulse. She has 16 acting credits over on IMDb. George Young as Kakoa Shaw. That's a an odd name. I think it even means something. All that I, I can't remember what I heard. Like I heard somebody say, like, yeah, that mean that name means something. But fuck if I know. Uh, he's known for Home, Containment, and Grace. Uh, Twenty five acting credits over on IMDb. Mecole Brianna White as Regina Moss. Uh, she is known for Encino Man, <laughs> Volcano, Courage, <laughs> Courage Under I'm Sorry. <laughs> it's not it's not often that we hear Encino Man mentioned here on. The, <laughs> On the podcast. Uh, Volcano Courage Under Fire. 65 acting credits over on IMDb, so she's been around a while. Jean Louisa Kelly is Jane Doe slash Serena. Now, you know, I don't want to give away the spoiler on her just yet, what her character is, but you'll find out when we dive into it here in a minute. minute. But she was best known for Uncle Buck, uh, Yes Dear, the the series Yes Dear, Mr. Holland's Opus. She was in Ant-Man. 59 acting credits over on IMDb. Really about, I get, you know, there's a handful of others, obviously, but the, the only other ones that's really worth mentioning are, like, the part of Gabriel, you know, which we'll dive into what's going on with Gabriel there <laughs> shortly. Um, there's two people, because there's a person that plays the voice of Gabriel, and that's Ray Chase. Uh, he is known, he would be best known for, uh, I guess, like, voice acting work and stuff like that, because he's got... 242 acting credits on IMDb, and it looks like most of it's like voice work type stuff. It's like Final Final Fantasy 15. Uh, actually, had a part in Licorice Pizza, that that latest film by Paul Thomas Anderson. Uh, Jujitsu Kaisen. He's going to be uh, one of the voices in that upcoming revival of the X Men animated series, X Men 97. Uh, recently in the video game Halo Infinite, stuff like that, like tons of voice work stuff. And then the actual physical performer of Gabriel is played by Marina Mazapa, and she would be best known for roles in Resident Evil, Welcome to Raccoon City most recently, uh, The Unholy, uh, The Girl in the Woods. So only six acting credits, uh, you know, all very recent, like literally like her first acting credit was 2020. So I guess kind of you can say up and coming, right? All of them are literally in the last two years. Um, so really, I mean, did you guys have any other things to point out? As far as background stuff or uh, any particular person before we get into the movie itself? I'll get into that later with the uh, Crypt Connections. I think it's kind of an interesting wrinkle. Well, not really uh, uh, pertaining to actors or anything in the background. It's just uh, something that struck me when we are talking about the the Rotten Tomatoes critics versus audience rating. That's something that would never happen to canon films. You (laughs) never would have had critics rating better than the audience ratings for a canon movie. So that's something very different. Yeah. (laughs) That, that's true. The main producers on this, I, I'll mention before we move on, was uh, James Wan, of course, but also Michael Clear. Uh, mm. he, he would be known for Mortal Kombat, 
Lights Out from 2016, and Donnie's favorite, The Curse of La Llorona. Fuck. <laughs> uh, Just 25 producing credits that date back to 2007 over there. And basically, Lights Out was his first, because uh, the only other one before that was a short. Uh, he was the executive producer on Lights Out. So a lot of uh, horror stuff and a lot of the Conjuring universe type stuff ever since. So clearly he's like a partner with James Wan because Annabelle Creation, The Nun, uh, Annabelle Comes Home, that Swamp Thing series, which was, you know, uh, James Wan had a part of that. Uh, uh, hands of handful of other things. But, yeah, I just thought I'd mention those were the two main producers here on the project. Now, it was, uh, put out, it was produced by New Line Cinema, Atomic Monsters Productions, which is James Wan's uh, production company, Starlight Media Inc., and My Entertainment Inc., and, of course, it was distributed by Warner Brothers Pictures. It had a budget of $40 million, and the box office was only $34 million. Uh, not to take a deep dive into the numbers there, but, yeah, that's, that is not good. But I'm sure that a lot of that had to do with the pandemic and, uh, of course, all 2021, pretty much all of uh, Warner Brothers 2021 releases were released simultaneously on HBO Max. So I'm sure that had a lot to do with wanna, that. Sorry, I, I, I did want to add that uh, both Nicolas Cage and Stephen King uh, praise Malignant. Oh, what the uh, fuck? So it, what is the shock yeah. there? No shock whatsoever with that sentence. Right? Yeah, yeah so, uh, yeah. That that seems like, this movie screams like it'd be right up there. I'm surprised Nicolas Cage, is, are we sure he's not in this? Like, he might be in this somewhere. <laughs> hey, I, I, I see a movie in the future right there. Directed by James Wan, written by Stephen King, starring Nicolas Cage. Oh. Get on that. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah. The, that's the holy... I'm not the nut right now. That's the holy trinity of what the fuckery right there. <laughs> <laughs> This is this is getting off on a tangent, but have y'all ever uh, seen like the uh, connection with uh, with uh, Nicolas Cage and the length of his hair as to whether the movie's going to be good or not? <laughs> Absolutely not. Hmm. The longer the longer his hair is, the better the movie is. Okay. The shorter his hair is, the worse it is. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, Con Air disagree with that sentiment. Well, Con Air's good though. Is it? Air is a fun movie you can actually sit there and enjoy. Now I will say though, now it's been like—is it TBS fun or all the way through fun? (laughs) To be fair, both ways. I haven't watched Con Air in like twenty fucking years, so I remember liking it back then. So who knows? Hey, who knows? With some of the stuff that we've got planned up, and we don't—we don't want to go too far too far into what we've got planned. Maybe Con Air can make the list somewhere along the way here. So. That's funny. Um, but yeah, currently, I, currently, as we feature in our future with uh, the Wicker Man, the original, and the Wicker Man with Nicolas Cage. No, oh. got a double feature in the future. Oh. Maybe. I don't know if you want to do that. Maybe like if you watch one and then wait two weeks and watch the other. If you have to watch them back to back, man, like I don't know, one of them's gonna get shit on, and I'm and I'm gonna have to let you guess which one. Oh yeah, well yeah, I would I would think the Nicolas Cage one. I'm not the original one is one of my probably my top. 25 movie horror movies. Yeah. But yeah, watching it back to back with the Nicolas Cage one, I don't know. I might, I might just feel like it. Yeah. I dumbed down the original. I might actually have to give the original less marks if I did that. So I don't want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it might, yeah, you're right. It might work vice versa. Who knows? But, anyways, as we speak right here in January of 2022, this movie is not streaming anywhere. You have to go like rent it on like, you know, one of the, uh, you know, video on demand rental services. Or, you, you know, you need to go buy the Blu-ray or whatever, because it did come out on Blu-ray and DVD back in November 30th of 2021. So it's out now, you know, if you want to go uh, track it down, but you're, you're going to have to pay. Like, there is no, it's not on Netflix, HBO Max, or anything like that. Even though it did get that simultaneous HBO Max release, uh, just like all the other Warner releases last year, it only lasted a month on there. So if you didn't get to see it in that little month window, then you do have to, you know, shell out a couple bucks to go rent it or uh, buy it to watch it, you know, at least until it does go back on HBO Max or something like that. But, yeah, like I said, I'm sure that had a lot to do with why it didn't make as much as possible or just the batshit craziness of the movie. Saying that, that, that kind of stopped me and my wife from seeing it in the theater, some of the backlash on it. I mean, we, yeah. we were like, it was just a shitload of backlash that we were hearing because I, I try not to read too much reviews or whatever. But, you know, you're on Facebook, you see some, you, know, you follow a lot of horror people and whatnot, you'll see some stuff, so. Yeah, we we just heard that it wasn't all that good, and that unfortunately kept detracted us from seeing it in the theater. We thought, "Oh, just wait for it to come out and 
on demand or on Blu-ray or whatever. I think it's a lot. Now, of, I think it's a lot of what you said. I think it's a lot of what you said to begin with. Is that like because it's a James Wan movie? I think everybody was expecting it to be Saul, The Conjuring, Insidious. They were expecting it to be that or some version of that. And when it, this definitely is not that. No. <laughs> so then you're like, well, fuck this, you know. But I think that's knee-jerk. <laughs> Hurry, hurry, step right this way, folks, for the most extravagant array of refreshment goodies ever assembled under one roof. Enjoy breathtaking, taste-tempting candies of finest quality. Enjoy popcorn exploded into tender, delicious, crispy bites of crunchy goodness. Enjoy the tops in cool, refreshing soft drinks. If you want to enjoy some refreshments, this is your opportunity. There will now be a short intermission. For you, the listeners of the All-American Spook Show Horror Podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. So we've explained how it works. You know, you definitely want to go over to uh, audibletrial.com slash spookshow to uh, get your free credit or whatever so you can listen to, you know, pretty much anything you want there. And uh, if you cancel it, you you know, you get to keep that one thing. So I just went in and, you know, this is the easy one. I just typed in malignant just to see what would pop up. And... <laughs> Uh, we got Malignant, How Bad Policy and Bad Evidence Harm People with Cancer by, by Vignette <laughs> K. Prasad. This just this sounds way too heavy for our audience. Um, but if that sounds on any level interesting to you, that's uh, almost seven and a half hours long. Uh, Malignant, Black Market DNA Book 2. So apparently this is a, at least the second book of God knows how many by Anthony J. Melchiori. That was just over eight hours long. And uh, one more, let's see, Malignant by Anita Waller. So a lot of people apparently just use this word malignant. God knows, you know, in, what, in different uh, ways. But that one is just about almost eight and a half hours long. And uh, I'm not sure what kind of book that is. But it it looks like it could be like a mystery thriller type book, but who knows. But So, yeah, I mean, just, just random pulls there. But that's the point. You can go on Audible and put in anything. We've proven this time and time again. And you'll find something. That has, you know, something to do with whatever keywords you put in there. You'll find something. So to download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash spookshow. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash spookshow for your free audiobook. All right, so I guess uh, enough, of the, enough of the banter out of the way. Let's, let's get into the, the meat of the movie. The reason why we came here is to talk about this crazy-ass <laughs> movie. The movie begins in 1993 where you see this whole flashback sequence of how these these doctors are dealing with this patient named Gabriel and it's at the Simeon Research Hospital and clearly Gabriel has some kind of powers and like can control electricity and and like uh, can speak through the speakers and stuff like that some like mind control or something I don't know exactly you know they don't and that's the other thing like throughout this movie don't don't uh, really expect any deep explanation as to what the hell is going on with Gabriel right it's just kind of like Here's the power set. Just go with it kind of thing. And basically, Gabriel just goes off the deep end one night and kills a, a number of the doctors and the staff members there in the uh, the old nut house. <laughs> and that's how, you know, this is the whole setup, right? Is That's how it begins. So, uh, uh, Will, I guess I'll toss to you first. Uh, wh- what did you think of this whole opening sequence and, like, Instantly dipping you into this, into this, in the craziness of this movie. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think, I think it was a, a great way to to start the movie. It definitely like grabs you and and, and pulls your attention in. I mean, a lot of movies, uh, you know, now that we've been been doing this for a while, tries to sit more of a slow paced mood and let you know what what's going on first before anything happens. And this one's just full speed ahead. We'll, we'll catch you up as we go along. Yeah, I think they do a, a good job of setting up the craziness. Like, you know you're in for some, like, what the fuck is going on here right out the gate. Yeah, it, it sets up a, 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 the ground rules for the pace of the movie, I feel. Even in the credits, too, because I think the credits are, like, right after that, if, I'm, if I remember correctly. How about those credits, man? Yeah, <laughs> well, <laughs> in the credits, though, like, there's shit in there that you need to kind of pay attention to, right? Because, like, they're showing, like, uh, how they there's some kind of surgery going on and you see like the diagrams and shit like that. So like, you know, once you've watched the movie like through the first time you go back and you look at that again, you're going to see some things there, you know, in those opening credits that you don't realize what you're seeing kind of thing, you know, um, they, they do kind of explain things without explaining them. So after this, you fast forward 27 years later, Madison is introduced and you know, she's pregnant, lives in Seattle with her husband and her husband's a piece of shit. 
right? <laughs> they just easily establish like this dude's an ass. Like beyond the fact that he like grabs her and like busts her head on the wall. Like didn't he say something like, "How many, how many of my babies am I have to see die inside of you?" Like, god damn, man! <laughs> like this is he is like every Hallmark bad husband. <laughs> Except on crack. Yeah, you gather from a lot of the, you know the what's going on here that she's been pregnant multiple times and keeps losing the baby. So like, so for some reason he finds it in him to bully her about this, and they get into it and he pushes her, smash. I shouldn't say push. I mean he fucking like smashes her head up against the wall, busts the back of her head, and uh, you know it makes her head bleed, and then she like locks herself in the bedroom while he's in the. You know, and they're asleep, uh, asleep on the couch or whatever. She wakes up to find him dead after, like, some, you know, he hears some shit. And all. So, like, you kind of get, like, this thing of supernatural thing going on here, right? She sees something. I guess she, does she think it's, like, a ghost or something she sees? Or does she think she's running from somebody? But she gets attacked, and then now she's knocked out. So, Donnie, what'd you think of this whole scene here? Oh, man. It's just a kind of a mess, man. You know, it's just... <clears throat> To me, like the, uh, just like the the starting intro. I mean, even though that you know the whole you know, I guess the I don't know if you actually call it a fight scene, but it's just kind of, it's just kind of drags. You mean just maybe this it's whole, just this, me? This whole part, like with her running away from the ghost or the guy or whatever. I guess she assumes it's just somebody's broken into the house, right? And she's just yeah running away from the guy or whatever, and then you know she she gets attacked and knocked unconscious. So she's, She's not necessarily thinking that it's a ghost, maybe, but although it does look supernatural, right? Um, yeah. But the next morning, uh, she wakes up in the hospital, and then her sister, Sydney, is introduced, and she tells her that the baby did not survive, so now she's lost another um, kid. So then you're introduced to the, the police, you know, who are investigating this whole thing. Uh, she returns home. Which, by the way, like, I don't know if I'd move back into that fucking house, right? Like, <laughs> like, supernatural or not, like, I've been attacked. My husband's been, like, brutally murdered. I don't know if I'm going back there. Then she, then Madison just, like, spills it out to Sydney that, oh, yeah, by the way, like, uh, I was, uh, you were adopted. Or, no, she, yeah. She tells, she, she tells her that she was adopted at eight years old or whatever, right? But, but she kind of just spilled it on her, like, oh, yeah, but I just needed to feel that biological closeness. What do you mean? <laughs> I'm your sister. Oh no no no. Or I'm adopted. What, what is this? <laughs> then the uh, the killer, you know, who you don't know who this is quite yet, kidnaps a woman in the Seattle Underground. Now I didn't even know. Did any of you know that the Seattle Underground thing was a real thing? Like I've never yeah. been to Seattle, so I had I had no idea. But that's a real thing. Yeah, yeah I don't have any doubt. I mean, it was it Atlanta, and then uh, I know New York has a uh, underground. Yeah, I, I just I had never heard of it. That's you know. It looks yeah. like, it looks like something cool to see, you know, if you ever out Seattle. And there's right? a there's a velvet underground too. <laughs> That's a real thing. Yeah. 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 Where? What a time. Music stores. Oh, yeah. I didn't know. So you know, he the killer goes down to the Seattle underground and kidnaps the woman. that's like uh, the the tour guide or whatever. Um, but like right after that, Madison has a vision of the killer. Murdering Dr. Weaver. Now, I will say that I think this is kind of cool, like these little visions that she sees as the killer is ki uh, is murdering somebody. Uh, mm -hmm. It's like it's almost like an out-of-body experience. Like, you know, she'll just be standing there, like, brushing her teeth, and all of a sudden, and <laughs> transform. Well, and, and it's like the room decays and, like, melts. I, I thought that was, like, visually yeah, super yeah, interesting just, every time it happened. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, so far, Smoke, what do, you, what do you think about, you know, as far as, like, the setup of all that and, we're, and how far we've come here. What are we talking about? Oh, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Malignant again? <laughs> I, well, first of all, going very back to the very beginning, I love that opening shot of the building for some reason, because I'm guessing it, that was not a real building. I don't. It reminded me of a matte painting in the 80s, even though it was probably a digital, yeah. you know, <laughs> digital, what a matte painting would have been. So that right there, just that opening scene just also gave me 80s cult movie vibes or whatever. Oh, they, and were, then, def then, they were definitely going for that, too. Did you notice, like, at the very beginning when you see, like, uh, New Line Cinema or, or Atomic Monster, whatever the hell was on the screen there, it, like, it's got that VHS, uh, yeah, yeah. like, overlay look to it or whatever. So, yeah, they're definitely going for that 80s, 90s type of vibe there at the beginning. And a little later on, too, whenever, I mean, just, well, 
just talking about the setup of the, what I can't remember the name of the hospital, whatever the name of it was. But later on, too, whenever uh, one of the characters drives to the hospital, when they find out about the place and it's, you know, it's abandoned and everything, she drives to that, too. You know, she pulls up on the side, and I think it's like at night, and it's right by the water. It's <laughs> just very, very fake. I mean, but I mean, purposefully meant to look like an 80s matte painting type structure or whatever. It's very obviously that they were going for, they weren't trying to mask the fact that it wasn't a real set or location building, whatever. Uh, so that, I, I kind of, I like that about it. And then also the, that guy is a real asshole. You almost expected him to have been like <laughs> screwing somebody else. Came home from work early, you know, but he's like sitting there watching UFC or something on the bed, right? Yeah. Yeah. What the hell's like <laughs> the, the middle of the day UFC? Anyways, like, yeah. <laughs> isn't those usually like, like weekend, like Saturday night events? Like, it's like a Wednesday well, afternoon. This motherfucker's watching UFC. And then he's like, yeah, he's like, oh, you're home already? Yeah. Oh, this bitch again. <laughs> so, yeah, they do a good job of turn, of making him just like a, just an asshole that you hate. And, like, you don't mind seeing what happens to him, you know. I was only kind of surprised that they killed him as fast as they did. You know, like, you would think this level of asshole, you want to keep him around a little bit, you know. Yeah. Yeah, make it pay off really well when he yeah, gets killed. <laughs> he just does like really, you know, a couple of assholey things, and then immediately uh, gets his fucking neck turned around. Yeah. Oh yeah, and that's the other thing too. That 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 scene of him, his death. Well, not the show, just the aftermath of whatever the way he died. A little later on, when the uh, female detective thinks that uh, you know they're, they're kind of looking at her as a suspect, they're like uh, you know, because she because of the nature of their relationship, him beating on her, that maybe. She could have, you know, she would have killed him because of him, you know, beating her and whatnot. I'm pretty sure, though, unless she had superhuman strength, she wouldn't be able to turn his head all the way around that way. <laughs> oh, there's definitely some superhuman aspect of this, no doubt. Yep. Oh, and then also the the like we were talking about in the house when she kind of sees this being, whatever. I thought that kind of didn't gel necessarily with. I mean, I know I, we're not going to really talk about the ending of it yet. I guess, but the reveal of what's going on. You look back and into that scene, you're kind of like, I don't know if that makes sense to me as far as her seeing what she saw. Yeah. The shadow thing or whatever. Unless it's just a, a playing on her imagination or her, her mind she, her mind made her you know, see that or whatever. Now, this first vision that Madison has is basically the killer uh, murdering Dr. Weaver. Now, Dr. Weaver is the one that apparently uh, did, like, reconstructive surgery and worked at that, uh, that simian research hospital you know back in the 90s madison and her sister go to the police and then she immediately has another vision this time of the killer murdering dr fields then that's when the killer actually contacts madison and reveals himself to be gabriel madison's childhood imaginary friend so now they're setting this up like she had some imaginary friend when she was a kid named gabriel and there's a lot of like they kind of go back and show like some videos from her in this you know, where she was younger, I guess before she was adopted into that family. Just the fact that, like, weird things would happen and she's sitting there talking to her, her imaginary friend. Meanwhile, like, you know, fucking plates are floating around or some shit like that, right? There was a lot of weird shit going on. Her, her parents kind of buried it, right? Like, kind of got her some help and, and just kind of brushed it off, really. They go to visit their mom and... Then Madison realizes that Gabriel was not her imaginary friend, but somebody she really spoke to when she was a kid. But she still isn't getting the connection. And then they find the link between the doctors and Madison, you know, which leads them to find Dr. Gregory's dead body. So clearly, like, the killer is, there's like a trail of these doctors or whatever that, uh, you know, basically had something to do with her when she was a kid. And whatever Gabriel was going, whatever was going on with Gabriel, so they hypnotize Madison, and then she remembers that her actual birth name was Emily May, and and then that Gabriel wanted to kill her unborn uh, sister. She was able to stop herself. So like, I think around this time is where she's kind of realizing like it's connected to her in some way, but she's not really all the way there yet, right? But then, uh, <laughs> I think one of the funnier part, well, there's a lot of funny shit here, but before you get to the, the craziness of the, you know, the last 20 or 30 minutes where, uh, the cops are at her house or whatever, because now they suspect her of being the killer. And then the woman that's been kidnapped <laughs> falls from the fucking, like <laughs> through the roof, like right into the damn living room, right in her house. So she's, so the killer, Gabriel is living inside of her house. 
in the attic, and it, you know, the the woman they had kidnapped from the Seattle Underground was in the attic the whole time. So, uh, Will, what do you think of all of this so far, like up to this point? Well, you know, like, like it's you know building the story, but man, when that lady dropped out of the ceiling, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> I think I think her reaction was the only reaction you could have. Yeah, she just started screaming, <laughs> right? <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> and like, 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 how many movies have we watched where that person dies instantly? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> it didn't make it like it was a you know a ten foot drop. Well, the, the 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 reason I guess is because that woman turns out that had been kidnapped or whatever was actually Madison's birth mother, Serena May. So up to that point, they just called her Jane Doe. So that's who she was. So now her sister, Sydney, goes and visits that abandoned hospital. <laughs> By the way, like, she parks on the edge of the fucking cliff. Like, anybody else, like, like, you know, <laughs> she goes and, like, all this shit is so convenient, right? Like, oh, this is the this is the hospital. You can, you can just go there at any time you want. Go in there. And by the way, apparently they just abandoned this hospital. <laughs> they didn't take anything out of it either. Like... <laughs> All the equipment's still there, all the fucking files and everything, and anybody can just walk in there with a flashlight and a fucking crowbar and just get anything they want. Like, <laughs> she is easily able to go there and figure everything out, like, in 15 minutes. Like, <laughs> she just looks through, like, finds an old VHS tape, looks through some files, and uh, figures out that basically uh, Gabriel is Emily's twin brother who was basically attached to her head, right? Uh, when they when they were born, apparently he had some kind of damn supernatural skill set or something, and <laughs> they they had to remove Gabriel off of the back of her head. But like, I'm not even sure. I don't look. I'm not a scientist, but I don't know if this is how they do that, right? <laughs> They're just like, hey, we got a lot of leftover Gabriel here. Let's just tuck it into the back of her head. Like, is that the way they would do something like that? It doesn't sound right to me. But basically, that's what they did, right? They just they tucked Gabriel into the back of her fucking head. Well, surprise. Uh, I actually do have uh, two doctors in my family. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, I contacted them, yeah. uh, and they said, yes, that's exactly how you would do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you just cut them off, and then you shove the face of the other thing just right back in the head. And they also said, quit bothering us about malignant. Yes. So during her childhood, Gabriel had appeared as a half-formed child, like facing out of her back. The- <laughs> They were able to remove all this except except for the brain. So they just tucked that into the back of the head. And then apparently he was dormant, but then he got woke up whenever her piece of shit husband slammed her head against the wall. Once again, I don't I don't think any of this is possible or or feasible, but like you just need to go with it, right? <laughs> Gabriel then like, apparently like he's grown his face back. Like so they took the they tucked the brain in there, but I guess he's able to like reform himself somehow in there. Look, you know, supernatural, super crazy shit is afoot. So now he's able to, like, pop his face out of the back of her head from time to time, I guess, whenever he wants to take control. And then, like, just basically twist her body around and, like, starts walking backwards. <laughs> Man, the, when I saw this, I'm like, what the fuck is this? What is going on here? I mean, this is some, like, damn, like, uh, Japanese horror ghost water shit, you know, water ghosts, whatever they call those things, like, it's like uh, the grudge and uh, uh, the ring, you know, like, and meets the exorcist kind of shit. But, like, he's able to function completely and, like, and just beat some ass this way, too. <laughs> it, which is, like, which explains all the weird movements that you had seen up to this point, too. Because, like, even when you saw a couple glimpses of it, you're like, what the fuck? Like, it almost looks backwards or something, like, you know, until you finally, like, see it happen. <laughs> It explains his unnatural, this little quote that I read here, it explains his unnatural movements and the upside-down fingerprints at his crime scenes. <laughs> By the way, how do you decide that a fingerprint is upside-down? <laughs> well, it just depends on the way you're holding the paper. <laughs> <laughs> but the reveal is the best. I mean, like, the reveal of all this is the best part. And then, so she's in the fucking, like, you know, the, the jail. She's in the lockup or whatever. And by the way, what kind of jail is she in? Like, did she go to 1984 prison? Like, <laughs> yeah, I know. What? What the <laughs> fuck? Like, what kind of, <laughs> what kind of lockup day jail is every, this? Every female prison stereotype is in there. 
<laughs> oh yeah, they're all there. Like the prostitutes and the, just the look and everything. It's all there. It's like it's like watching like a, a an old episode of uh, every '80s sitcom where they had to go to jail and they're all sitting around like waiting to get you know bailed out and they have to like crack jokes with everybody that's in the in the jail. Gabriel takes over Madison's body. Now this is the big reveal, right? Like holy fuck, like Gabriel's inside of Madison. And he just slaughters, or she, I guess, however you fucking want to phrase it. 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 it slaughters. Let's use the proper pronoun. Yeah. <laughs> we're, all, we're all about the pronouns here. Uh, it fucking just just slaughters everybody. <laughs> and then is it like the, the cop like reaches in with his hands for some reason, and she just, you know, kills the shit out of that guy and is able to get out of there and then just fucking lays waste to the precinct. Like I said, this is like... <laughs> This is like backwards well, Matrix. Well, it, it is. This is as good as Arnie did in the first Terminator movie. Yeah. <laughs> this is also the same uh, police department that decided the fingerprints were upside down. <laughs> true, true. <so. laughs> and they and they also went to like the school of uh, stormtrooper shooting because like they're all shooting at this motherfucker. And nobody can hit it. <laughs> so he just lays waste to everybody and then just takes off and leaves. They they were able to get him at the hospital. Where remember their birth mother is there, you know, at the hospital, and they kind of have this, you know, uh, uh, I'm talking about Sydney and Shaw, Kakoa Shaw or whatever. Um, they confront Gabriel it there at the hospital, and uh, because she's it's coming for her mother. Sydney, her sister, uh, tells Madison that Gabriel was the one that was causing all the miscarriages and everything because he was feeding off the fetuses. <laughs> <laughs> now, how is she able to come to these conclusions? Like that's what. No, oh, that's just what happens, you know. It, it had it had nothing to do with the abusive husband. Yeah. <laughs> how many of my babies are gonna have to watch die in your in your womb? <laughs> nothing. Nothing. Maybe if in the stomach, they wouldn't die. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's over here poking her in the stomach. She obviously, once she finds this out, she you know Madison is fucking pissed. So like now, there's like this whole back and forth in the mindscape kind of thing between Madison and Gabriel. She takes back control of her body and then kind of like locks Gabriel away, right? Kind of just locks her away in his mind or whatever. Set something to the degree of like, you know, he's going to come back. Well, you know, he, he, yeah, he'll come back one day and I promise I'll, I'll be ready. You know, it's kind of the, where you leave it. They're in the hospital and she's, uh, you know, back in full control of her body she lifts the hospital bed that had, you know, her sister Sydney was like pinned to the wall by hospital bed because, you know, fucking Gabriel was losing it in there. So she's able to lift it up. So I guess at that point you're to assume that like now she has the superhuman abilities or strength of uh, Gabriel, right? Like I guess she had it all along, but now like she's kind of in full control of it. They hug. Think about this. Think about this. Once she harnesses that, dude, Gabriel was able to do that behind his back. <laughs> now, now you can imagine what she can do from the front. <laughs> um so you know basically the happy ending right in a way like they hug um you know you'll always be my sister even though we're adopted as they as they hug um you know the the birth mother serena she's over there looking on happily and then you hear the electric humming that accompany gabriel's attacks you know you can hear it faintly in the background so there you go malignant i guess starting right now with you donnie we'll go ahead and what's your star rating and what are your thoughts on the movie as a whole well, uh, I'll give my thoughts on, on the movie as a whole, and then I'll give my star rating. Uh, like I mentioned previously, this is my second time watching it. Um, and also, like I mentioned, I feel like I kind of needed a second look because I did not like it the first time. Um, I initially thought that uh, Gabriel's fight scenes looked like something out of uh, Van Helsing. Um, but... Uh, on the on the second viewing, I actually uh, I kind of appreciate it a little bit more, uh, despite knowing all of the twists in the story. Uh, I was able to kind of look at it, you know, kind of from a different angle a little bit. Um, but you know, certainly the second viewing changed my outlook uh, on it. Um, I did like the gore, the camera splatter scenes where the blood actually kind of. Uh, kind of splattered on the uh, on the camera. No one mentioned this, uh, which I was actually kind of surprised at. Uh, but uh, no one mentioned that this was kind of a more modern uh, kind of take on uh, Basket Case from uh, 1982. We have, I don't, 
we haven't discussed this on the spook show, but I I, I do kind of like basket case a little bit more than this. I was kind of conflicted with my rating. Uh, you, you had mentioned that the uh, you know the runtime was an hour and f- uh, fifty one minutes. I feel like it was kind of longer than it needed to be. Yeah. Um, uh, some of the scenes were kind of overacted, kind of overdone, which kind of took me out of store. Uh, basically took me out of the story both times I watched it. Man, I was I was kind of conflicted with the star rating a little bit. I I liked it the second time, but uh, kind of overall, I have to give this uh, two and three quarters. Two and three quarter stars. All right, uh, Will, what do you say? Uh, for me, I'm going to go with a three. Um, yeah, I mean, there were there were definitely some spots in this movie where you know things didn't add up, like the uh, smoke monster at the beginning, but it you know, doesn't really hold any bearing on the rest of the movie. I don't know. Like, like it felt like, uh, you know, there was action every so often. And when that action was up, man, it was, it was like you had done a line of Coke or something. Like it was just, <laughs> it was crazy and off the wall. Yeah. Yeah. To me, I mean, it was, it was, it was a fun movie. Uh, definitely one you got to suspend disbelief, but yeah, overall I would, I would definitely recommend this movie, you know, just to anybody and just say, you just got to watch it. Love it or hate it, you got to watch this, Professor. Some some of my sentiments will like echo both Donnie and Willie. And uh, first and foremost, yeah, I'm glad that Donnie mentioned the basket case reference because that was what I was going to say too. It was once we got to it, I didn't, mean, you know, I was thinking about it before I'd seen this movie. I'd I'd heard a little bit about something like somebody had mentioned that, so I already had that part sort of uh, not ruined, but similarity had already been kind of pointed out to me before I got to watch this movie the second time. Around, so, but yeah, I can definitely see that correlation in there and uh yeah basket case is definitely a movie that we'll have to get to at this point i know donnie have either you or will seen that oh Josh? yeah yeah i've seen it <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah frank frank Kennelotter is somebody that we need to get to whether it be that movie or any of those early 80s movies of his but, yeah there's definitely a correlation between basket case and this movie with the i mean with it with the twinning thing <laughs> although it's carried out in a much different way in both movies the Gore was pretty heavy. That's pretty good. I like. I like that it was flattery. The only thing though that I have, and this is kind of a personal, I guess, qualm with me, is the. It did have good practical effects because the creature, when it showed it in the VHS footage that they they found footage, so to speak, from the hospital, and they showed the creature right with the arms and sticking out from the head and all that stuff. That was all very seemed very like practical effects, I assume. But whenever there was like blood splattering, and there was a lot of blood splattering, but it was that seemed to me like digital. Like there was a lot of blood, digital blood, I guess. And I, that's just a pet peeve of mine. I like, I like blood squibs. Whenever you're going to have blood splatter, I like to see it, you know, you know, the practical effect of the fake blood splatter rather than the digital. It's, it's very noticeable to me when I see it. And I'm like, eh, it's kind of like it cheapens it a little bit for me. But that's just me. That's a personal thing for, for me. It doesn't detract too much from the movie. It's just I'd rather, I'd rather the blood have been more practical. But uh, And then the length of it as both, uh, you know, you mentioned Josh and, and Donnie. It could have been cut down a little bit, could have been trimmed at least 15, 20 minutes or so. But overall, it's definitely enjoyable, and I would recommend it. So I'm going to go with, a, like Donnie, I'll go with two and three quarter. Now, I think, in my opinion, it's le- I can see the basket case comparisons. <laughs> what was it, Bilal? Wasn't that the... <laughs> oh, hell yeah. <laughs> Bilal. I-, I can see the comparisons, and, and it's, it's definitely there. But to me, uh, the, the one movie that came more into mind... Not necessarily the movie as a whole, but one part of the movie that is reminded me more of is, is Total Recall. Fucking Quado. Oh yeah, yeah, that's true. She's got. <laughs> I didn't a, think about that. Yeah. That's, that's Good point. It, that's what it is, dude. She's got a head Quado. That's exactly what this is. <laughs> it lives in the back of her head instead of her fucking stomach. Also, if you want to bring it into more re- recent times, you could say uh, Harry Potter and uh, what's the name of uh, Voldemort. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so like, uh, like it's kind of been stated. I mean, I agree with all y'all in, in, in different ways. When I watch it as a whole, like, and, and I'm sitting there like criticizing it to myself as I was watching it. Like, what the fuck? What? What the shit? You know, during the whole movie, right? And then <laughs> as I, the ending, I'm just like, oh, this is fucking awesome. You know, this last 20, 30 minutes. In those parts, at least, right? But I'm still like, this still didn't make any sense. And then, you know, when, when I'm done with it, I'm sitting there and I'm like, it was like the more and more I thought about it, the more I liked it. Like, <laughs> I don't know what, it, 
I don't run into this a lot with movies where, like, you know, I, I ran, like, all the emotional spectrum. I was, you know, like, during different parts of the movie and, and towards the end, I'm like, I'm mad. I'm like, what the fuck? At one point, I'm like, man, fuck this movie. I'm going to cut it off. You know, like, all of that as I'm watching it. And then at the end, I'm sitting there like, you know what? That was pretty fucking awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Kudos to James Wan for that. I'm going to go more with Will. I'm going to go three stars. And, you know, I, and I'm sure all of us might feel a little differently uh, once we do the fourth anniversary show in October where, you know, we have a chance to re-rate stuff. So who knows? It might go up or down. Um, I probably might have another viewing of this uh, in my future before then. So who knows? how I'll feel then, but for now, I think it's, uh, I think a three for me on my scale is fair. Uh, but, you know, I think we're all about the same, like, you know, literally, like, Donnie and you and Smoke gave it two and three quarters, and Will and I gave it three. Yeah, it's only, we're only off a quarter of a star, I think, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, mean, so I think we all kind of feel the same way, you know, like, I think at the end of the day, though, you know, like, any movie you watch, if you can sit back and say, you know what? I had, you know, it might have been a too long, this or that or the other. You know, there's always nits to pick, so to speak. But if you can say, you know what, I had a fun watching that, then I think, I think it was worth it. You know, like, I think it deserves, you know, kind of that, that uh, score that we all gave it there. So the total consensus score, all those four combined, goes to a 2.88. So and you round that up, that's three stars, basically. So we obviously highly recommend it. I think you owe it, if you're a horror fan or just a, a fan of like weird movies you should at least give this one good viewing in my opinion i guess donnie i'll, I'll go ahead and uh, toss to you first connections from the crates <laughs> I swear there's like a few more yeah. ha-ha-has every time. Yeah, yeah, it just adds a little bit more. Uh, no, so uh, there, you know, this being a James Wan, um, you know, uh, film, this, you know, with uh, his known ties to the Conjuring universe uh, and all of that, uh, there, there is a uh, crew uh, connection, uh, which is actually she... Uh, won a Spook Show Filmmakers Award in 2021 uh, for, it was actually our uh, very first award show that we ever did, uh, which you can check out on YouTube. Um, you can go to our YouTube page and uh, search for the uh, 2021 Spook Show, uh, Spook Show Awards. But it was uh, Eleanor Sabaduquia. Uh, <laughs> I, think yeah. I, I think I remember you trying to pronounce that back then, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I I believe I've gotten better at it now, but uh, <laughs> um, uh, she's you know special effects, makeup, special effects. Um, she has nine uh, crypt connections to past Spook Show episodes: uh, Annabelle, The Nun, The Conjuring, The Conjuring Two, uh, The Curse of La Llorona, Annabelle Comes Home, um, Annabelle Creation. Uh, the Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It, and of course this one, Malignant. So that's nine connections total, and that's a that's on the crew side, and on the cast side, you know, you would think, which you know, Josh, you alluded to earlier, uh, Annabelle Wallace, uh, you you would think that she would be the most notable uh, on the cast side, you know, being in uh, Annabelle, Annabelle Creation, of course this one, Malignant, uh, but it's actually Ingrid Bisu. I'm probably fucking up her name, but um, she was a, a actress on The Nun uh, and The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It, and of course Malignant, but she also wrote uh, part of the story for Malignant as well. So uh, Ingrid Bisu is actually um, on uh, you know, the second, I guess, well, the cast version of uh, uh, Crit Connections to past Spook Show episodes. So really the connection is James Wan because pretty much all of those things you mentioned you Correct. all connect to like James Wan production. So Yeah, there would be him, but you know, I didn't want to say, you know, well, no, yeah, no. James Wan, all of this, all yeah, that. Of yeah. Course, yeah. I mean, technically I think they were good pulls. I just mean that like the connection really there is James Wan probably, you know, is the, the, the tie that binds for all these things. Correct. You know, yeah. Yeah. I just kinda wanted to go outside the obvious. Yeah. Um so Will that'll toss to you. 
I came up with 37. So kind of going through these uh, off the top, you know, you've got the uh, scene with the uh, uh, hospital crew. So uh, you got a skull crack, another skull crack, uh, throat slashed. Uh, then you got the husband who had his head smashed. I want to put this one in here. I mean, it's. I mean, I, I guess it's there. You just don't see the the fetus die when uh, when the husband, you know, like bangs a woman woman's head against the ground. It wakes up uh, Gabriel, and then Gabriel like kicks in the door, and you know, she falls on her stomach and has a miscarriage. Uh, then you got the uh, female doctor uh, who gets her head bashed in with a trophy. Uh, the two male doctors who got stabbed with the um, trophy's spear. Uh, you got the 13 women in the uh, jail cell who all died. You've got the guard um, that was killed. I'm, I'm going to say he was killed just because he had his head bashed into the uh, to the uh, jail cell, uh, and it's a movie, so he's dead. Uh <laughs> Then you uh, go out into the precinct. Uh, I'm going to count up uh, 14 cops from there. Uh, God almighty. What all did Gabriel do in that one, man? A little bit of everything. <laughs> A little bit of everything. Cutting throats, breaking wrists, uh, shooting shotguns through people, all that stuff. And then uh, right at the end, eh, I probably shouldn't have counted this one. I got Detective Shaw taking the... the the thing in the shoulder, but he probably, he probably didn't die because he's kind of a lead. Yeah. So actually, I'll, I'll take that back to 36. That naturally goes to you, Smoke. Gore score. As we, as I talked about my review of it, it, I was happy to see it be, you know, splattery. It had a decent amount of gore in it, which is actually kind of, I guess, somewhat new for James Wan as far as, uh, not new, you know, from the Saw movies, but, Recently, with the Conjuring universities explored, a lot of those haven't. You know, they they aren't about gore, so it's kind of cool seeing them get back to doing some uh, some violence. It's uh like one thing we didn't. I don't think we touched on too much in the talking about in this in this particular show was that that uh, weapon, the knife that was fashioned from the trophy. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it was pretty badass, and it kind of reminded me of uh, some aspects of this movie. I think draws a little bit on the giallo, the Italian giallo genre, and. And I know James Wan's no like stranger to that because the Saw franchise, especially the first Saw movie, also kind of draws on mm. some conventions of the Giallo genre. But that knife kind of reminded me of uh, one thing. It reminded me of Argento's movie Terror at the Opera, or just Dario Argento's opera, another name for it, because there was a there was a beast of a knife in that movie too, and uh, it was also used just as brutally in that film. So, uh, so some elements have that Giallo killer you know, type. Style even in the the leathery kind of whatever costume that that was fashioned for Gabriel, I guess you know when he was doing his backwards movements and he was wearing that some sort of black leather. So yeah, I like I like I like those yellow elements in there too. That that, that knife he, he stabbed the hell out of the guy's face in the bed. Oh yeah, that scene that uh, <laughs> that was pretty brutal. And I don't, that probably did have some as I mentioned before the practical effects thing. I think that did combine sort of both practical effects and blood splatter. But a lot of the blood splatter, again, was that, that digital CG sort of blood splatter. Mm. But it was still there, and it was still pretty, uh, it flowed pretty freely. So, uh, and that jail scene, whenever she was slaughtering all the uh, the women in the prison and the cops, various points throughout the movie, you had some oh, pretty yeah, good splatter. They, yeah, they let, so, the, uh, they let the gore fly once you got to that, you know, yeah. once you got to that point. <laughs> so, uh, I don't know, I think it's, it's definitely a solid seven, I think. Hey, I mean, I, I could see you even go higher than that if you wanted to, but yeah, that's definitely that and more. Yeah, uh, it's yeah, just, no, yeah. Like I mentioned, the, the judging, judging of gore scores, I'm constantly thinking of things in my head that are way out there that we haven't got to yet. So I'm trying to put thing, put a perspective, I guess, on things. True. Some people might look at this, and say, oh, that's a nine, or some people might say that's a ten for me, you know. But then we haven't really got to some of the... We've got to some 10s. I forget exactly which ones had 10s. I think Reanimator, I may have that, gave that one a 10. Uh, did I, I might have given Terrifier a 10 or a 9 at least. I uh, uh, still haven't like uh, gone back and gotten some of those early ones. Because I think we started doing yeah. around around when we did uh, the Monster Squad back in episode 28. So I need to go back and kind of like, you know, uh, put those in my document, you know, where I keep track of these things. But yeah, probably. 
I'd be shocked yeah. if Terrifier wasn't a 9 or a 10. And as I said, too, I think I'm going to have some sort of 10 plus something whenever there's some sort of, like, when it goes above and beyond, so to speak, of yeah. uh, <laughs> massive amounts of gore, but also they, there's some there's some movies that are just not fun gore. You know, they're just mean-spirited, sort of, like, rea- realistic, fucked-up gore. Yeah. That would go beyond a 10, and I have to come up with some rating for that. And then others, like Reanimator or this movie or... You know, Terrifier kind of crossed the line in areas, but Terrifier had also a lot of humor and stuff in it, too. It had that one very, <laughs> very uh, effective flatter scene that's uh, probably, you know, that definitely does cross the line into that. But it still, you know, still has a sense of humor about it. And this movie also is a very cult-oriented feel to the, the gore and everything. It's kind of, it's not, it's, not, it's not really over the top, and it's kind of fun popcorn-type flatter gore stuff, so. So I would give it, you know, it's up there at a seven. But once we get to some of these other messed up movies that we've talked about a little bit and haven't got to, like Cannibal Holocaust, for instance, uh, I'm going to have to come up with something beyond the 10 for it. <laughs> yeah. All right, so uh, that, I guess that'll pretty much put a wrap on uh, Malignant. But coming up uh, uh, next week on the Spook Show, we're going to be doing, uh, I'd say it's probably going to be more like our first part of kind of going into Canon Films a little bit. We're going to be having a guest. It's a friend of Smuggler Acquaintance of Smokes. Um, his name is Paul Talbot. Now, he wrote a couple books on Charles Bronson, right? Yep, yeah, Bronson's Loose and then Bronson's Loose again, <laughs> um, covering aspects of Bronson's life. Yeah, so we'll, we'll kind of be doing, I guess it's kind of a spotlight. You know, we haven't really narrowed down exactly what the conversation will be with him because we haven't had it yet, but uh, basically the conversation with him will probably be more about Charles Bronson and, and uh, you know, the stuff that he did for Canon Films and other stuff that he did. But, you know, we'll also get his thoughts on Canon Films and talk about that a little bit with him because we have another interview lined up um, for probably a couple weeks after that. So uh, I don't want to reveal quite yet what that is, but we'll we'll get into that when we get closer. So we're going to have a couple of uh, uh, big interviews and kind of deep discussions about Canon Films uh, over the next couple weeks, and the first one will be next week. So it's kind of a spotlight on Bronson slash Canon Films uh, coming up next Monday at 6 p.m. East, you know, where you normally get your podcast. So uh, I guess we've uh, said all we need to say about that and about Malignant and everything else. So uh, for Donnie, for Will, and the Professor Smoke, I'm Josh. We are the All-American Spook Show Horror Podcast, and we'll talk to you next week.